Um, yeah, so today I am so glad to be back. Uh, I haven't been with you guys for like two weeks now, so that was kind of weird. Um, but good to see that you guys are doing well. Uh, so today it's going to be pretty fun. We're going to go over some uh, kind of my trip to the Dominican Republic. And uh, so the sermon's going to be a little different. We're not going to like sit with a passage and kind of unpack like one particular passage. But we're more going to look at three different ideas, um, things that I've noticed in the Dominican Republic while I was there, the church there, uh, that I think will benefit us as we try to live missionally here. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a question I want you to think serious about it. If I were to tell you that God is calling each and every one of you to give up everything and follow him, would you do it? <laughs> like right now, just like, what would go through your mind if I told you God is calling you, each and every one of us, to give up everything and to follow him on his mission? Probably some of you are like, man, I got to work tomorrow. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I got bills to pay. I got a yard to clean. Like, I got all this stuff. Like, I don't know if I could just up and leave. Uh, or maybe some of you are like, okay, really good point. Like, but, you know, that's just figurative, right? That's not like literally, like God isn't really calling me to do that right now. Uh, yes, all of it, yes. <laughs> so um, I asked that very intentionally because... I think uh, sometimes when we think about missions, we think that the missionaries give up everything and they go and they go to a different country and they give up all their life. And we who are here, we just kind of like live the Christian life here, right? We don't necessarily have to give up everything like the missionaries do. Um, but what we're going to find out is that's not actually true. And so... Um, most of you know that I was in the Dominican Republic. If you don't know, I spent a, a week in the Dominican Republic. Uh, but most of you guys don't know why I was there. So there's actually two reasons why I was there. One, very technical, I had to be there uh, because for my ordination academics, it requires that I take an international missions trip to learn from other pastors across the country, other ministry leaders to see how they're doing ministry there and in a different culture than mine. But I think the main reason why uh, God had me go was actually to humbly teach me um, something very important about missional living and this idea of living on mission for Jesus and for his will. Because I think sometimes we live our Christian life as kind of like, okay, I got my check, my ticket to heaven, and now all I have to do is just make it. <laughs> I just got to be good enough to just make it to the end. And we kind of like settle for like small purposes. There's still purposes like career and whatever God is calling you to do specifically in your work or maybe you're at home. Whatever the case, we have these like smaller purposes that God calls us to, but we don't really walk in like the full purpose of what God calls us to as a disciple, as a person, a part of the body of the church. And so today we're going to talk about living on mission, what that means, what that even looks like. Like, you probably have heard it in church, like, live on mission, where you're like, what is the mission, and what in the world does that look like? We live in Mansfield, or Wooster, Ashland, or whatever. So, um, 
Most of you guys don't know this. This is a fun fact. My wife and I, Jordan, before I became a pastor, even before we were married, actually, we wanted to be missionaries, like overseas missionaries. Uh, so this time in the Dominican Republic was actually my fifth time there. <laughs> I've been there five times, all for different reasons. But each time I go there, I'm like, man, like I love this type of missions work. And my wife, some of you guys know, she served as a missionary for about a year and a half in Mexico. So we wanted to be missionaries. Like we wanted to, like we, our plan was get married first year and leave. <laughs> we're going to go and we're going to be on mission in a different country. But God had a different plan. And so he kind of had me go become a pastor. And what I thought was mission work was kind of put, put on hold. And maybe we might still do that in the future if God calls us to. But what I've been learning is we're still on mission. Like, it's not like God said, okay, the mission is like maybe over there. Um, I had you go this different route. It's still, it's still, we're still on mission. And each one of you guys, even if you're not called to go overseas, you're still required to be a part of the mission if you are a disciple of Jesus. And so today, I'm going to give you three things that I learned in the Dominican Republic, from the Dominican church, um, things that they emphasized with talking with other pastors and leaders, things that they emphasized that made them like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. They just, they saw every opportunity as a mission field. Um, and, and it was prevalent there. And so we're gonna talk about three things that I think kind of led to that thinking for them. But before we begin, we should pray because I don't want to just ramble and just say stuff and not be covered in the Holy Spirit because that would be bad. So, Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you do call us to a greater purpose than career and um, everything else that we uh, maybe search for in life. And all those things are good. Um, but you call us to a very high calling to be on mission with you and what you're doing in the earth, in our cities, in our communities. You are pursuing people and you want your church, your bride, to be on mission with you. And you actually want to use your bride, your church, the people here to accomplish your mission. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts to your word Soften our hearts to what you want to communicate with us today, Jesus. And I just pray that we would be encouraged um, by your word. And we just thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy, that you see it fit that we would be able to take part in this with you, all because of Jesus. And so we say this in your mighty name. Amen. So the first one is going to seem trivial. So what I don't want you to do is... Let it go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> because it's going to be very simple, and very trivial, but it was very serious when I noticed it in Dominican Republic. It was obedience to Christ. And when I say obedience, I'm not talking like a passive obedience. Like, okay, the Bible says I should pray, so I'm going to pray before my meal, or I'm going to pray before bed, or the Bible says I should probably get to know God, so I'm just going to maybe read a few verses here and there. Like, the obedience that I saw was, no, like, if I don't obey Christ, then my life is pointless. 
And that's what I saw there. So again, I want to distinguish a point. When we think of a missionary, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? You can shout it out. I'm going to teach you guys like the youth. <laughs> what's the first thing? Like overseas work or going across the country and moving, right? That's what we think about when we think of a missionary. And that is true. Like a lot of people are called overseas. And I, I do want to take time to honor people who are missionaries because it's not a small thing to grow up in a certain culture to the point and God call you out of that and go to a place that you don't know. To say, okay, I know you grew up in America for 30 years, but I'm calling you to go to Costa Rica where you have no idea about anything of the culture, the traditions, you gotta learn the language, you gotta do it all. That's no small thing, man. <laughs> That's a big task. And I just want to honor the missionaries who do do that and follow God's call for that. Um, but I do think we make the mistake of almost putting missionaries as kind of like a separate form of Christianity. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you think of missionary and you think that, man, they're like super spiritual to be able to give up their life and do that. And then there's just kind of us, and we're just kind of like, okay, we're here, we're doing our Christian thing and where we're at. And like, I've heard people say, like, I can never give up everything and go across the country. Like, I could never do that. I'm like, yeah, you can, if God calls you to, <laughs> maybe, possibly, but maybe you're not physically able, but that doesn't mean that you're not on mission. And so I think we make the mistake of thinking that, um, the task of a missionary is different than your task. It's the same task. Like what a missionary is called to in a different country is exactly what you're called to in this country or wherever God has you. And so we're gonna see, if you don't believe me. <laughs> if you could, open your Bible up to Luke 14. It's gonna be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, open it. Because we don't wanna settle for screens if you have it. It's going to be Luke 14, and we're going to read chap, uh, verses 25 through 33. So it says this, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them. Now this is talking about Jesus. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and multitudes would follow Jesus. They saw him heal people. They saw him do all of these things. They saw him teach with authority. And they're like, yes, I want to follow this rabbi. I want to follow this teacher. And Jesus, being Jesus, turns to this great multitude. And this is what he says. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all, we see, uh, all who see it begin to mock him and saying, this man began to build but was not able to finish. 
Verse 31, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him when he comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Verse 33, this is Jesus's point. So whoever, therefore, does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. It doesn't say, and all the missionaries who don't renounce everything cannot be my disciple. It says all of us who desire to follow Jesus. Jesus was speaking to a multitude of people who wanted to be his disciple. And he gives this kind of cost. He says, listen, you want to follow me? You have to lay down your life, your will, and come and follow me. That's the cost. And so, what does Jesus mean? Does he really mean that we should hate our mom and dad and our wife and our husband and our kids? No, he, that's crazy because in other passages, he tells you to love your wife and your kids and to, to train them up well and to love your family. So what is Jesus's point here? His point is that obedience to him when compared to your love for anything or anyone else should, by the world standard, look like hate. Like if you... If God calls you to leave or do something that seems radical or seems like, oh, you don't really care about your family. How could you uproot your family and your kids and all that stuff and leave? How could you do that? That's detrimental to them. Don't you love them? That is what that look, that's what that looks like. Your obedience to Jesus of putting him first in comparison to everything else would look like, don't you care about your wife, your mother, your sister, your brother? Right? We follow Jesus as the first priority. So a great example of this, and I'm going to give stories and stuff, uh, you know, intermixed in this. So <clears throat> first of all, let me give you some backstory of this, this uh, ministry that's there. So I don't know if you guys have heard of Envision, but Envision is a Christian Missionary Alliance kind of missional, international missions. Uh, I don't know how to even describe it. It's like a missions presence in different countries. We even have one here in Cleveland. We're not here, but down in Cleveland. And uh, they're pretty much everywhere. And it's kind of like a presence of Alliance missions in a different country. And particularly here in Dominican Republic, uh, the two people that head up this ministry, their names are Brandon and Bethany. Uh, they are from Ohio. They grew up in Toledo. And God called them to a Spanish country. They didn't know which Spanish country, so they picked two other ones before Dominican Republic, and the mission committee said, well, no, I mean, like, people kind of, we thought they were leaving, but they're not. So are you okay with Dominican Republic? And they said, I guess, I guess that's what God is calling us to. So they didn't even choose the Dominican Republic, God did. And so they've been there for seven years, or over seven years, and during that time, they, create, they established a coffee shop in the middle of the city, Santo Domingo, and it is the largest city in the Dominican Republic. Over one million people live in this city, and you can tell because of the driving. It's crazy. <laughs> I thought I was gonna die. Every time I go, I think I'm gonna die in the road because 
I'm telling you, look at videos on, on YouTube or go because they actually would like it if you went. Um, but they started a coffee shop in the middle of the city right next to a university to minister to university students. And so the university students can come to the coffee shop in between classes and like study. They can grab a coffee. They can talk with some of the volunteers. And they even hold uh, English conversations. So they'll come at particular times where they'll only speak English. And they'll pick like a topic, like conflict is one of the topics that uh, we talked about. And it was like, we get to share Jesus or we get to share kind of the principles and values of the Bible with them in English. And it's pretty cool. And so they, they have worked with Envision in this way for a while. But while I was there, we had the opportunity to meet a local pastor. Uh, he has a church in the middle of Santo Domingo, right on the corner of a very busy street. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know where you park to go to church <laughs> in his church. But if you could imagine this whole wall knocked down and it was just open and he wants his church that way, the whole wall is down so that when he's preaching, if he sees someone come like, and he sees that they, like, they look like they might need help or they need to maybe be ministered to, he will literally stop preaching and just go down and be with the person. And then whoever's doing worship would just come up and just, <laughs> that will be the service. So it's that sporadic. And he loves people. His name was Juan Alejandro. And he was talking to us this day before he became a pastor. Before he became a pastor, he was a bank teller at a bank in the city. And he, he said, like, I love preaching. I love, there's a burden on my heart to tell people about Jesus because the Bible says so. The Bible says I'm a preacher. I have to proclaim. And so for 20 years, he worked at this, this bank for 20 years. For 20 years, he had a devotional time. He told me, I was like, he had a devotional time for seven minutes before the clock in. And so for, seven, for six minutes, he will read the Bible, do a devotional. For one minute, he will pray for his coworkers. And all of his coworkers were invited, non-Christian, Christian, whatever the case. That's what it was. And it was so crazy to the point where his boss would come to him and be like, you can't be doing this. And he's like, well, I mean, it's before the clock in time, so I'm not even using work time, right? And the boss is like, no, 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 like I'm gonna get you fired. You don't understand. And he's like, well, let's take a vote. Like, let's take a vote from my coworkers. And all the coworkers are like, yes, keep doing the Bible study. And his boss was like, no, you don't understand. I'm gonna go to my boss and get you fired. He didn't know that Juan Alejandro actually prayed for this guy's boss and he had favor with the, the guy's boss. And so he literally went to him. He's like, oh yeah, I know him. Bring him to the headquarters. I want him to do a Bible study here. <laughs> And the guy was like, well, he, he would always do this, like, I'm going to keep reading or, or whatever the case. So this guy was a crazy guy. He was like a, a John the Baptist kind of guy. He looks like maybe a John the Baptist kind of guy. Um, the point is, is that for Juan, even before he was a preacher, he was in ministry, he saw obedience to Jesus as the first thing. People need to hear the gospel in my bank, my coworkers, they have to. And he would say this, he said, because they can die tomorrow 
And if they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. That's that. And he's like, I can't. God needs me to preach. He said for me to preach. And so for 20 years, he would do a seven-minute devotional at his bank. <laughs> it's crazy. But here's the beautiful thing. You can too. This is, like, he wasn't at a church. He was in a secular job in a time of the Dominican Republic that had a, a crazy dictator who was la labeled the GOAT because he was so heavy in his ruling of the Dominican people. And this is the time where he's like doing all this stuff. <laughs> and it's like people are coming against him and he doesn't care. He's like, I don't care. Jesus told me to preach and so I'm gonna preach. And so for you and for me and for us, as we seek to live missionally here, God has actually placed you in places where you can be missionaries. Whether, whatever you're doing for work, it's construction, or you work at a store, if you work at the grocery store, if you work anywhere, if you don't work, God has placed people in your life. Maybe you go somewhere to do something fun, right? I, my mentor goes and plays pickleball four times a week, and he is always interacting with non-Christians. Uh, and even if you're a stay-at-home mom, maybe you homeschool your kids, other stay-at-home moms, other mom school, or other uh, moms who homeschool their kids. Like, there are so many people, like we can't get away from the fact that God has put a, a, a circle of influence around us and he wants us to be on mission there. He has provided mission fields for us. And Jesus tries to help his disciples understand this when he's sending out 72 of them into a town. And he says this in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly that what? That God would make some more harvest? Maybe make it more ripe for the harvest? No, he says, pray that God would send laborers into his harvest. There's already a harvest. The lack is the laborers. Me, you, us, who become complacent in Christianity and see it as just a marketplace of ideas and not as a mission. God wants us to see it as a mission. So obedience to Christ was the first one. Very simple, but something sometimes we overlook. The next one is there was a huge emphasis on depending on the Holy Spirit. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. And I really want to hone in on this point because this, I think this is really important because I think for many of us, we try to live the Christian life in the power of me or the power of us instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's not even intentionally. Sometimes we're like, I just gotta be disciplined in my Bible reading and my prayer and my church attendance. I really wanna be disciplined and that's a good thing. But sometimes we can, if we're not careful, think that we can depend on our discipline to get us through the Christian life when it's actually only the Holy Spirit can get us to, through the Christian life to be holy, to live on mission for Jesus. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to read for you another passage in John chapter 14. You could turn there if you'd like. I would rather you so you can make sure I'm not <laughs> telling you nonsense. John chapter 14, 
verses 15 through 17, Jesus actually says the reason that God gives us the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will be obedient to me, to my will. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In the context of Jesus talking about obedience to him, keep my commandments if you love me, he says, God is going to give you the Holy Spirit as your helper. On the second night there, I preached at the Sunday service there. It was very interesting. I never preached with a translator before, so I trimmed down like my sermon halfway. Uh, but that night, we were at the greenhouse, which is that coffee house that I was telling you about. Every Sunday night, they do a youth service, and they just invite the youth from the community to come. And one of our teammates preached a message on the Holy Spirit, and he said something really interesting and profound that I, I needed to hear. He said, if you are attempting to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Because we don't have the energy, we don't have the discipline, we don't have the power to do it. Only the Holy Spirit does. He is the helper. He is the helper. And so for us in the American church, I think a big temptation for us is to rely a lot on our abilities, talents, buildings, education, knowledge, experience, all that. Because we have it good here, right? I mean, it's chaotic, but it's good comparatively. But in the Dominican Republic, they don't have resources. They don't have fancy looking church buildings. They have blocks, most of them gated because thievery and vandalism is so prevalent in the city. For them, it, like they could care less about what the church looks like rather than what the church does in the community. And so they are completely dependent on the provision of the Holy Spirit to do anything and one of the ways that the Holy Spirit provides for these local churches that seem like they don't have a lot. I, I must say, though, because the church we were at, it was about the quarter of the size of CBC. They've planted four churches in the city. Four. That's crazy. I'm like, you got a congregation of 20 people planting four churches. All of them are on mission. All of them are. But one of the ways that Envision, the ministry there, uh, the way that God provides for some of these churches to actually be able to build the protective things for their churches or the walls or any type of thing that would help them in trying to impact their community is actually through short-term mission trips, which is interesting because I think sometimes we think of short-term mission trips as kind of like ineffective. Like, you're going to go down for a week, and then what? You're going to talk to some people, maybe do something that probably won't last. Like, that's not really helpful or effective. And I confess that I, I used to think that way. Um, but the reality is, is that for places like the Dominican Republic, 
Usually with a short-term mission trip, you need to raise quite a bit of funds. But this instance, I had to raise $2,900. Now, obviously, my ticket wasn't $2,900. That's, I mean, probably some places it is. But all of the rest of that money actually went to the work that we did at this particular church for the bulk of our time. So this particular church that was in Santo Domingo, the past, the, there was a wall that surrounded the church for security. Every place is gated. All windows have bars on it. And so the pastor, though, he's like, I don't like that people can walk along the sidewalk, look at a wall, and not even know that it's a church. I don't like that. And so he asked the Envision partners, Brandon and Bethany, like, with your team that's coming, would they be able to knock out half of the wall? Like, if the wall is like this high, he said, I want it to be low all the way across the church. Can they demolish that for me? And he bought like cement gates that would go up there, but people would be able to see that this is a church. And so that's what we did. We took sludge hammers and pickaxes and we went at it, <laughs> destroyed like half of this wall all the way across. And he was like, oh, and I also want a direct access point into the community. Like, I don't like that the whole wall kind of surrounds the perimeter. He's like, can, I, can we make steps that would lead up to the church doors and then just knock out that part of, uh, like within the steps frames, that way the, church, the people have access to the church? And we were like, yeah, <laughs> we can. And so the money that was given that was, that was able to send me to the Dominican Republic actually paid for all of the materials, all of the supplies that we used to dig, break, demolish, used to pay the contractor who came and create the molds for the steps, paid for all the rock, all the sand, all the dirt used to mix into concrete, and paid for paint to repaint the inside of the church because all the paint was chipped off and it just looked like a bunch of bricks everywhere. And so what you gave and what people gave towards that actually provided for that, like, like the Holy Spirit used it as a provision because they're dependent on the Holy Spirit. And God actually used short-term trips and short-term things like that to actually fund what he wants to accomplish there. That's amazing. So if you're thinking about going on a short-term trip, go there. It'd be fun. You get to dig a hole in the cement. <laughs> so, so as we seek to live missionally here, we have to remember that it's only in the power of the Holy Spirit that we could do anything. We have to have that same mindset as they have. God, without your Holy Spirit, I can't accomplish anything effective for you. Jesus, right before sending his disciples on mission with the gospel, right before he ascends to heaven, actually made this abundantly clear to them. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Not until the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power. And he actually told them, I need you to wait in Jerusalem before you do anything so that you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So if, 
if Jesus saw it important for them to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish uh, sending out the gospel, we can't take for granted that God has given us the Holy Spirit and try to do it in our own strength because the apostles couldn't. So, obedience to Christ, radical dependence on the Holy Spirit. The next one I'm actually very passionate about as a youth pastor. So, there was a huge emphasis on reaching the next generation. And I mean, like, every person we talked to, there was this philosophy of we have to reach the next generation. We have to reach the kids, the teens, the young adults. How many of us here know at least one person a generation ahead of us? All of our hands should be like, you got kids, you got grandkids, you got kids who have, you know what I mean? Like, you know someone a generation ahead of you. But how often do we take it for granted the importance of giving them the gospel? We have a whole generation of kids, of students, who are struggling with their self-worth and value because we have not given them the gospel. And they've settled for social media, they've settled for other forms of value to try to supplement what they're feeling, when only the gospel can give that value and that, that purpose in a heart. And so we have to not overlook the next generation because here's the reality, we're gonna die like, we're going to die. We are. And the people who are going to be pastoring our churches, leading missional efforts, doing anything good in the community for the gospel is going to be the next generation. And the question is, what are we going to leave them with to encourage them to be obedient to Jesus and to continue his work and his mission? We have to invest. Like, the Lord commands us to. This is what he says in Psalm 71, 18. I actually have it here. I don't need to look in here. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to those to come. For the psalmist, he said, God, don't take me until I tell the next generation about your goodness, about your work, about what you've done in my life and what you have for them. Don't take me until I've communicated and proclaimed it to them. So in the DR, one of the other things we got to do is go to a school in one of the poorer areas of the city. And the school was attached to a church and it was, it was called the Children's Center. Uh, it was long in Spanish, but it's basically the Children's Center. And what this place did is it provided education for elementary kids who couldn't afford to go to a public school. So you had private, public, and then you had this, this school, this ministry that the church had for little babies. I mean, they were like elementary kids. They were so cute. <laughs> and it was beautiful. And we got to sit and talk with the pastor and his wife who runs it. She's kind of like the principal. And they told us the ministry philosophy uh, for this school, the reason why they have it. She said that in the Dominican Republic, 
these kids, most likely, 99% of them, have a completely dysfunctional house. Mom's on drugs, dad's on drugs, out on the street, whatever the case. They're poor, completely dysfunctional home, and some of the parents are not receptive to the gospel if you just go out and just say, hey, you want to hear about Jesus? They'll probably just brush it off like, uh, whatever. But they said that what's interesting is that the people that end up coming to their church come because the children told them about Jesus. And so their mindset is, if we give Jesus to the children, the children will bring the parents. And they've actually had multiple people come to Christ because their child told them about Jesus. I'm talking five years old, telling their parents about Jesus. Like, what'd you learn at school today? Jesus. And they're like, oh, what about? Oh, I heard Jesus. Does, does, does. And they're like, oh, I should maybe go. And multiple stories, I want to give my life to Jesus. And now those families go to that church while their student is in that school. And so there was this emphasis, even Juan Alejandro, as a pastor, he mentioned like, if you reach the youth, you reach the whole family. That was his mindset. You reach the youth, you reach the whole family. And he saw that in his church. And so the same is true here. It's no different here. The next generation is looking to you and to me as to what it looks like to be obedient to God, to be obedient to Christ, what it looks like to live a holy life in the midst of a broken world. They look to us. So the question is, how are you preparing the next generation? Because we are preparing them in one of two ways. Either they're going to see us be passive in our obedience to Jesus, or they're gonna see us take it seriously. And they will learn either way. Our, our job is to show them that, no, 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 you can take Jesus seriously and you can love God and God will bless your life, not with material, not with all those things, but with value and purpose that far exceeds anything else the world can offer you or what anything else you read or what your friends tell you or what social media tells you, offers you. So, obedience to Christ, Holy Spirit dependence, and a real emphasis on reaching the next generation. I think that, you know, of course, there's so much other things that you can emphasize and, you know, work towards to have really good missional living. But I think these three things, if we, if we can kind of grapple these three things daily, like, I, I really think that there could be some real fruit in our communities. Like, we could see God actually move in our communities and save people. So, I'll give you one final story. This was really interesting. So, on my flight back to the U.S., I'm tired, man. <laughs> like, my plane was supposed to land at 12.30 a.m., and then it was going to be like 30 minutes to get my bags. So it was going to be 1 o'clock. And then I have an hour and a half drive. My wife came and picked me up to Mansfield. I was like, going to be home at 3 a.m. after all this stuff. It's like, oh, my gosh. God, I'm going to sleep on this final flight. And so I go. I'm like juggling my feet, ready to go to sleep. And instantly, he sits me next to a very talkative lady. <laughs> like very, very talkative. 
very willing to talk and chat. Turns out, and then another lady comes and sits next to, sits next to us. Turns out, one of the ladies was a psychologist working on her PhD. The other one was an international politician and a professor at Case Western University. <laughs> like, what in the world is that? <laughs> I usually, like, what? that's weird, God. Okay. So, obviously, some good conversation come up, came up with that. Because this other lady is so talkative. I mean, she's like, she's like, oh, so what is that? And what is this? And what is that? Like, she knows all the historical people. She knows so much about historical politics and all this stuff. So it was just, it was just interesting to hear her. But we ended up having a very good conversation about Christianity because the professor asked me, so how did you even become a pastor? Like, how does, how does a person become a pastor? Do you just like do it? And I was like, well, that's a long story. Do you mind if I share a long story with you? And she's like, no, I don't mind. We have a flight, so it's okay. <laughs> so I ended up giving her, them, both of them, my testimony. And in so presenting the gospel to them. Little did I know the psychologist was Jewish. Both of her parents were from Israel, and she's not heard about Jesus too much. And so, because with Jewish in Judaism, Jesus is a no-go. He's not the Messiah, and he claims to be. And so most parents don't tell their children about Jesus, and if they do, they say, do not listen to anyone who tells you about Jesus because they're lying to you. And so this lady got to hear about Jesus, about how he works, how he saved me out of depression and suicide and all this stuff, things that she is working towards remedying. And so it was just a great uh, conversation about that. But one of the things that she said was very interesting, and I want it to be an encouragement for you guys. She said, I have never heard religion spoken of in that way. So her perception of religion was a bunch of rules, let God beat you over the hammer with that, or beat you over the head with a hammer if you disobey. You know, her, her perception of religion based on her parents was God tells me to not do, 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 not do, not do, not do. And so she literally told me, if I'm going to hell, I'd rather just go to hell doing what I want. That's what she said. I was like, well, that's not good. So this is what I want to say about that. That conversation was not in the Dominican Republic. Wasn't a conversation I had at a church there. Wasn't a conversation I had with someone on the street. This was a person, these were people in our context and cultural setting. This was in our harvest field. And so for you, you have uh, harvest fields all around you. God has placed people around you intentionally so that you can tell them about Jesus, about the hope, about the good news of the gospel. The question is, are we willing to notice it and see it? I mean, I could have just went to sleep on the plane, which is what I wanted to do. But <laughs> it's like, okay, God, obviously this is interesting. So I want to encourage you, support missions. Support your missionaries that you know Brandon and Bethany mentioned many times that people just forget about them. They just throw them money and they forget about them. They don't communicate with them. Support your missionaries, but communicate with the missionaries that you know. Go on a short-term trip if you can. They will take you. They really will. 
but don't neglect the harvest field right in front of you. Don't convince yourself, okay, I give money to missions, so that's my missional duty. I'll just keep doing my, you know, my Christian life here. No, no, no. Don't neglect the harvest field right in front of you. So I'm going to read Matthew 28, 19 to end. 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, Father, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you call us to a deeper purpose than we could even ask or think or imagine. And we can't even fathom the depths of what you're calling your church into and the ways that you want your church to minister to people right in our back door. God, I pray that you would stir in us a desire to live missional lives, to not just coast through life as a Christian, but to be on mission to reach people who are in need of good news. We get a lot of bad news. We need good eternal news. And so I pray for every person here, Jesus, that as they go in the week, as they go to their work, as they go to their, uh, there's no school, but as they go and interact with friends from school, God, would you remind them by giving opportunities to share their testimony, to share the gospel, to share the hope that is within them. I pray, Lord, that you would, um, that you would work in us, Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to be dependent on you. Help us to take seriously obedience to you. And help us reach the next generation because they will be doing what we are doing now. And so we thank you, Jesus. We give you all of these things. And we say this in your mighty name. Amen.